with lots of time. What a throw! Robin one for the end zone. How's it going, everyone? This is the first new episode of this week in college football by College Football Talk Daily. We are unfamiliar voices and two new co-hosts in this podcast. My name is Eric Church, and I'm joined by Sonny Martinez. Today, we have a good list of topics we want to go over, ranging from recruiting to the top games to look out for this season. So make sure you hit the follow button on all streaming podcast platforms as we will post new content daily. Now, Sonny, um, I think we should start off with recruiting. Um, as you may know, a lot of guys are coming off the board. You know, in particular, I would like to talk about two of the top quarterbacks in this year's class, starting off with Arch Manning. Now, you know, as everyone knows, Arch Manning is the number one player in the nation, the number one quarterback in the nation, and a nephew of both Eli and Peyton Manning. He just committed to Texas, and other schools in contention were Georgia and Alabama. So before, you know, we get into it, what are your thoughts on him committing to Texas? I think Arch Manning has also added another number one to his list, and that's the number one recruiter to Texas. For sure. He's he's already had his impact. There's been a couple of recruits' commitments since then. Um, Mm -hmm. And and now, looking forward, I've talked about it before, but I looked at Ruben Owens from Louisville. Mm. He's a Texas product. I'm not totally convinced he stays at Louisville at this point. Yeah, I mean, I I totally agree with you. Ruben Owens committing to Louisville, that was a bit of a surprise as well. Um, but like you said, Arch Manning, you know, his commitment is immediately paying off on the recruiting trail for Texas. Uh, Steve Starkeesian and his coaching staff have secured verbal commitments from nine players in the class of 23 since Manning committed. Um, six of those nine commits have been on the offensive side of the ball. Four of those guys are offensive linemen, and the other two are wide receivers, including a five-star receiver, John Tay Cook, as of today. So, um, I mean, Texas, they got a, obviously a good get with Arch Manning. But like you said, you know, it seems like he's better. He's more than just the number one quarterback. He's also the number one recruiter as, you know, Texas is climbing up the ranks. Uh, I believe before his commitment, they were outside the top 10 in recruiting classes. And, you know, based on what recruiting database you're looking at, you know, rivals has them as the number one spot in recruiting t- um, rankings. And I believe 24-7 sports has Texas at number two. So, um, you know, Arch Manning's doing big things. Like, like I said, the other schools that were in contention were Georgia and Alabama. As we all know, Alabama took Eli Holstein's commitment. So they were pretty much out of the picture. And I thought that Georgia was the school to beat. But um, ultimately, you know, he had a connection with uh, Starkeesian and the quarterback coach out there. And he chose, you know, um, Texas. Now, I want to, I have a question to ask you. Do you think that you know, Arch Manning is legitly that good, or you think it's just his name? I think he's that good. I mean, all the tape that's been out there of him, granted, it's it's all highlights. Everybody's good in their highlights. I'd like to see a full game out of him. Mm-hmm. But he, he seems to have all the tools. He's got the size. He's got the arm strength. Um, th- the one thing I keep replaying in my head is the video of him with the pump fake, at, I believe it was mm-hmm. at a Clemson camp. Spinning mm. the ball in his hands. If he does that in a real game, he's going to get so many defenders to bite. He's going to be able to do whatever he wants. For sure. Uh, one of the biggest things I saw about Arch is he has a big arm, like you just stated. And, you know, he's a lot more mobile than everyone thinks. He's not like his uncles, you know, Payton and Eli Manning. 
Um, and he can get out of trouble. He's not a statue in the pocket. And he's a legit athlete. I mean, as everyone knows, he also plays basketball. And the kid can dunk. If you can dunk a basketball, nine times out of ten, you're a great athlete. So at the end of the day, you know, number one quarterback, number one player in the nation, and number one recruiter thus far for Texas. And um, I think that Texas will finish top three in recruiting rankings. I don't think they'll end with the, at the number one spot. But I do believe that they'll be top three when it comes to recruiting classes. Yeah, and the recruiting classes are all sorts of messed up right now. I mean, Northwestern's in the top 10 last time I checked. Texas right. Tech is. They might be here to stay with uh, with the new coaching staff, but it's going to be hard for them to keep. The other side to look at this is, let's face it, Alabama, would it be Alabama with or without Manning? Georgia's going to continue their success with or without him. This is a program changer for Texas. This should be able to get them back to the point they were at 10 years ago. Right. It's entirely possible that Sarkeesian just recruited the safety of his job for at least one more year. Unless Texas has some sort of three and nine disaster, I think Sarkeesian bought himself another year. And I I 100% agree with you. Um, Quick question on on Texas and their quarterback room. So as we know, like we said, Arch is going to Texas. He'll be there. He's a senior this year, so he'll be there in two seasons. Where do you see that competition between Arch Manning and Quinn Ewers? I'm not sure it's going to last that long. Um, I think Ewers is going to be in the NFL sooner than later, honestly. Yeah. Um, he, he's a good quarterback. He's got everything. The whole Willie Woney with Texas, Ohio State, all that stuff. He better live up to the hype, I'll tell you that. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> <laughs> but but it's I mean, I would I would hate to see him have a decent year successfully here and then just because somebody comes in with a last name. Granted in football it's one of the last names. Yeah. But just because he has a name come over, take the job, you know. That that would kind of suck. I think, you know, the scenario that everybody's playing out in their head is so Ewers will be a, a freshman this year, and like we said, Arch is going to be a senior. Then the following year, Ewers will be a sophomore and, dra- and draft eligible. So if Ewers does what he's supposed to do this year, and then next year Arch will build a red shirt and then take all over the rings as a red shirt freshman, in my opinion. Yeah, I could totally see that happening. And two, let's not forget Casey Thompson and Hudson Card. They're at Texas for a reason. They're capable quarterbacks. Yeah. It might not have been excellent last year, but mm-hmm. I'm sure they're going to have something to say about this competition before it's over. Yeah, it's safe to say that Texas has one of the best, one of the better quarterback rooms in the nation. But um, the flip so, side to that is you can say that about a lot of their positions for the better part of the last 10 years. For sure. And yet they've still found ways to just be incredibly average. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, it's tough, but um, Texas, you know, they, they look good on paper. They just have to produce on the field now. And after speaking on Manning, I guess we can jump into another huge commitment. This time, number five quarterback in the nation, um, Jaden Rashada, who committed to Miami. Now, uh, Rashada, he chose Miami over Florida, LSU, Ole Miss, and Texas A&M. And um, this is a ball player as well. you know, he stands six foot three and a half, weighs about 185 pounds, but mechanically he has a smooth and effortless throw motion. And uh, I, the, the biggest thing that came from his commitment was him choosing Miami over Florida. 
in which, you know, Miami offered him $9.5 million worth of NIL deals, and Florida offered him $11 million. Did, did you ha- happen to see that? Yeah, I saw that. I That NIL thing's a totally different topic. I'm not sure I'm, I'm on board with that level of it. But it says a lot that he would pick Miami over over Florida. And it also really sets a tone for what Mario Cristobal is trying to build down there. For sure. I mean, he, he'd say he ultimately chose Miami due to the, you know, the coaching staff, obviously. Mario Cristobal, um, as you can see, one of his quarterbacks is flourishing in the NFL right now, Justin Herbert. So, you know, if I'm a quarterback and I see what Justin Herbert is doing, why not pick Mario? As well as the Hurricanes facilities. And, you know, he's a California kid. And he said that South Beach vibe reminded him of California a little bit. So um, this is a good gift for Miami. Uh, like I said, he's a real good quarterback, number five quarterback in the nation, the number five player out of the state of California, and number 29 overall, according to 24-7 sports. But, um, yeah, Jaden Rashada going to Miami. He's another guy that might have to sit for a little bit. Tyler Van Dyke is already the quarterback at Miami. Mm-hmm. He's gotten comparisons from Cristobal to Justin Herbert. That's a pretty good comparison, whether it be college or NFL. Right. He, I would I would think he would be a first-round pick next year, especially if he plays as well as, as everybody's thinking. Yep. But this could be another situation where in, in 2023, we're looking at another really solid quarterback battle. Yeah, I, I feel like there is you know, going to be huge quarterback battles throughout all college football. But like you said, I wouldn't be surprised if he you know, sat behind Van Dyke and learned a little bit as – I feel like Van Dyke does have that QB1 position unlocked. Yeah, no doubt. All right, so moving on from recruiting, um, let's talk about the top three games to look forward to in this upcoming season. Um, I guess we can go like snake version. Um, I'll pick a game, then you'll pick a game, then back and forth and back and forth. And if we come together on, you know, some similarities, we can go with some honorable mention games. Sounds good. So. In my personal opinion, the top game to look forward to is Texas A&M at Alabama, October 8th. Um, The rivalry between Alabama and A&M is already crazy. But when Saban accused Texas A&M and Jimbo Fisher of paying for their recruits, that just took things to a whole nother level, in my opinion. Um, As we all know, Alabama will most likely be the preseason number one in the polls. And I think I did my research. They're already a double-digit favorite against the Aggies at home. But with that being said, A&M did beat, just beat Alabama last year and also just secured the best recruiting class in 24-7 sports history. Um, in my opinion, this season for A&M, it's boom or bust for the Fisher era. How, how do you feel about that? My number one worry about this game isn't so much the talent or, you know, the success they've had. Mm-hmm. It's more the comments that Saban made. For Is sure. Texas A&M going to come into that game so, so fired up, so ticked off that they just make a bunch of mental mistakes? And, you know, by halftime, it's 35-7. to 7. I can see that. <laughs> right. I, I, I would hope not. Yeah. But are they going to get themselves so hyped up that it's just one thing after another, personal foul penalties, targeting, just undisciplined mistakes that are very un-Jimbo-like for his team. I think that's a great point. I, I, I mean, if I was on that Aggies team or on that coaching staff and Nick Saban said that about me and my team, I would feel some type of way. So emotions will be high, in my opinion. 
Um, but like you said, I guess wherever team comes out composed and, you know, less penalties and not, you know, worrying about the off the field comments or, you know, going back and forth. I feel like that team will ultimately be the winner of this matchup. And I also think the winner of this matchup likely takes the Western division for the SEC. Yeah, and I, I dare to say that it's even more than likely. Um, yeah. These, I think, are the, clearly the top two teams in that division. For sure. Um, like you said, make or break here for Jimbo. I don't think he's another one. I don't think he's going to get fired. But yeah. this is the year that you should see a significant jump. And then next year as well, with the recruiting class that he brought in. He's continuing to bring in these big classes. But, you know, their best year was the, the COVID year, 9-1. and one. Mm-hmm. I think they only lost to Alabama that year. Yep, I believe um, so. So they, they need to really just break through, and this could be the year they do it. Thousand percent. So that's my number one. What is your top game to look forward to next year? My number one is Notre Dame and Ohio State opening weekend. This is such a big game for Notre Dame. This is where we're going to find out, are they ready to make the next step? Or how far behind are they from being one of the elites in football? Because they've been knocking on the doorstep, it seems like, for the last 10 years. They've been (laughs) right there, and they get there, and they just get blown away by every major team. Even, no offense, Oklahoma State, blowing that lead last year in the bowl game was one of the most embarrassing things I've seen from Notre Dame football in a very long time. And that includes the 2007 season. I mean... Just horrible play, play calling, conservative. It was Marcus Freeman's first game not long after Brian Kelly resigned. I get it. But this is a game Notre Dame, I, don't, I wouldn't necessarily call it a must win, but it's a mm-hmm. must show up game. Yeah, I mean, in the opening weekend filled with top tier matchups, this might be the best one. Um, this game actually was my number three top, game, top games to uh, watch out for next season. And um, I mean, I feel like Ohio State will be the victors in this in this game. Um, I feel like CJ Stroud will have a huge game and put an early stamp on the Heisman Trophy race. And, you know, another reason why I just look forward to this game is from the from the comments that, you know, Marcus Freeman made about Ohio State. <laughs> that's to be honest with you, that's that's one of the main reasons why I can't wait for that game. It's open weekend. You know, Marcus Freeman, he, he, he was talking, you know, his, he was talking his talk about his former school. And I feel like this game might be a little chippy, just like the Alabama and a and game. I don't understand why he would say that, though. Like, I don't understand why you <laughs> would go. Not, not only are you poking the bear at one of the top three teams in the country when you are borderline top 10, which, yeah, you could still win. But yeah. you're poking at Ohio State, not to mention that's his alma mater. Why are you doing that? It doesn't seem like a very good idea. It, it's no different than poking Saban. It usually doesn't end well. Exactly. So, um, I mean, we'll see how it goes. But like you said, that's some bears. I mean, I don't want to poke any bear. But, you know, some bears are just like, yeah, don't even look that direction. And I think Ohio State is in the same group as your Alabamas of the world. Yeah, I agree with that. Ohio, it's, it's Ohio State, Alabama. Probably Georgia Clemson and then everybody else. Not saying that's going to be the playoff, but realistically, yes. looking at it right now, that is the top tier of college football. And I agree with you a thousand percent on those schools. And look at what happened each of the last time Notre Dame has played them. Aside from <laughs> beating a backup quarterback 
at home in Clemson, mm-hmm. what have they done? So this is Not a much. highly important game for them. For sure. Open the weekend. Um, that's the game to look out for September 3rd. Um, so I guess we'll move on to my second game to look forward to. And um, it's another Alabama game. You know, I, I, I think Alabama will have a, a lot of good games this upcoming season. But my number two game is the Alabama versus Texas game. Um, the Longhorns, they upgraded their roster during the offseason because of the transfer portal. They have five-star quarterback Quinn Ewers, and he has plenty of weapons at the receiver position, including Xavier Worthy. And he also probably has the top running back in the country in Bijan Robinson. Now, I think the tie will be a way better team, but traveling to Austin the week two and facing a former five-star quarterback screams upset all over it, in my honest opinion. Do I think they lose? No. But this could be an early indicator of the type of player viewers would be for the Longhorns moving forward. What are your thoughts? This game reminds me a lot of the, I don't remember what year this was, but it was the, the year uh, Alabama opened against Miami. Miami was a borderline top 10 team. Everybody's talking about them as a potential, you know, mm-hmm. issue playoff threat. And Bama just went out and rolled them. They've done it to <laughs> Miami. They've done it to USC. Mm-hmm. I think USC was number six for some reason when they played. And and I think it's just another one of those. Yeah. Texas isn't quite there yet. They need a little bit more time to develop. It's still sure. Sarkeesian's second year. Mm-hmm. Robinson's a great running back. He's a Heisman candidate. If he has a big game, he, he's his stock is going to skyrocket. Right. Can he run? Can anybody run against that Alabama front? I have my concerns about that. Uh, you you and me both. I I, mean, I just... I'm excited to watch this game because, um, like I said, it's going to be an early indicator on the type of player yours will be, where he fold, where he flourish. Um, it's going to be a lot of expectations on him to, you know, just stay in the game with Alabama. Like you said, Alabama always has these hype, overhyped games early in the season, whether it's your Miamis or your USC's, and those teams usually get rolled over. I'm just looking for some fight from that Texas Longhorn team and yours to put up good numbers and, uh, you know, just have. Let's have some good spirits after the game, after the butt whooping. <laughs> exactly. I think Texas would come out of it much better if they, if it was like a, a 24-27 game where Texas was trailing all game, but their fight was there. Right. That would be much more better for them than, you know, Texas is up by 10 halfway through the second or third quarter, and Bama comes back and storms back, even if it's still that three-point winning margin. I don't think it's good for Texas mentally if if it's one of those where we had the game in our hands and we let it go because that's what they did to Oklahoma last year. They had that game won. They were up by a ton. They blew it, and then they went on this long losing streak until the last game of the year. If they do that again against Alabama, that's going to set the tone for the rest of the year. And I said earlier that Manning buys another year for Sarkeesian. Mm-hmm. If we get a replay of last year with another six or seven game losing streak, mm-hmm. the doubts are there. And and you can't lose to Kansas again either. No, no, no. If you lose to Kansas, ah, that's going to be ugly. That would be ugly. <laughs> no, I mean, un- unless you're Bethune-Cookman, you can't lose to Kansas. Sorry, it's just the way it is right. in college football. This isn't unacceptable. 2007 anymore. <laughs> so who, who, who's your second game to watch next season? My second game is Oregon and Georgia. Um, mm. We've seen Oregon upset a Big name already before, last year, Ohio State. Um, Who knows the Oregon defense better than Dan Lanning? 
Dan Lanning mm. was Georgia's defensive coordinator last year. Historically good defenses down there. Now he gets a shot with his own team to take on Georgia, take his old team down, really start off the season on high note. Oregon's a playoff contender. I'm not sure I'd pick them to win the Pac-12, but if they do, they're a playoff contender. This is a another tone setter game. For sure. Do you, do you know if Bo Nix is the starting quarterback for Oregon? Did they did they um tell who's the who's the um QB one? I haven't seen it announced yet, but Bo Nix is is a really interesting player. He's got all the tools. He's got the potential. If if he could just even cut the number of interceptions down in half, I mm-hmm. think he could be a really good player. I've always thought he was a Heisman caliber guy. He's just he's shown flashes of it. And I think that's more frustrating than if he was just horrible all the time. You know he's capable of it. And if he can play to that level, Oregon's a threat to anybody they play. Right. Right. Uh, I, I definitely, this was a sleeper game that I looked over. But um, I think that would be a great game to watch, even if you don't like college football. Um, the defending national champions yep. opening up in Atlanta against Oregon. I think that's definitely going to be a game to watch. Look out for it. Absolutely. Now, my number three game was, we already talked about it. Um, it was the Notre Dame versus Ohio State. So they, they were in my top three. Um, a quick honorable mention will probably be Michigan versus Ohio State. I feel like that will be a good game. Um, mm. Michigan, you know, they beat Ohio State. And, you know, they went on to make the college football playoffs. They didn't do much in the college football playoffs, but... Um, <laughs> just off the top of my head, <laughs> just off the top of my head, um, I think that you know that that'll be a, that's a game to watch every year. You know, that's one of the best rivalries in all of college football. So, I think Ohio State no easily doubt. gets. I think Ohio State easily gets their revenge next year. Um, honestly, I think that they steamroll past Michigan. You know, bad taste in their mouth. They lost their chance at the college football playoffs. They saw that the team that beat them made it and pretty much looked like they weren't supposed to be there. But, um, yeah, just off the top of my head, I would mention I have Michigan versus Ohio State. Michigan's going to come in very confident. Jim Harbaugh is going to be running his mouth all week, and Ohio mm-hmm. State is going to be looking for blood. That one might get ugly. Right. <laughs> Early quick. <laughs> <laughs> so who's your number three? My number three is a game that I don't think many people would have in their top three, and that's Miami Pan. We talked about how A&M this year is, you know, kind of a big year for them. Same could be said for the Hurricanes, though. I mean, with Van Dyke at quarterback, they could be one of the favorites in the ACC. Um, Whoever wins this game, it's going to be a big momentum jump for their season. Right. And that, I mean, the headline is Mario Cristobal versus Jimbo Fisher. Um, I think that might. Like you said, one of the sleeper games that a lot of people aren't talking about. But um, Miami hasn't defeated a Power 5 team outside the ACC since a 41-8 victory over Notre Dame in 2017. That says a lot that you don't have a win over a Power 5 team dating back to five years ago. Um, I see A&M, you know, I feel like A&M will definitely get that win. But, I mean, it'll just be interesting to see how, you know, Miami comes out and if they can get that that first one since 2017 versus a power five team outside their conference. Yeah. Can Miami playing in the big time game? You know, yeah. they, they, they haven't been good out of conference. 
they've been average in conference. I don't know what happened in that Notre Dame game that something flipped that right after that, they just they, they lost all the swagger they had. They were parading around the sidelines with the turnover chain. Everything was golden. The U was back. Mm-hmm. No different than Texas is back. The U right. was back, and it's just come crashing down since. Yeah. Uh, I honestly don't think the U has been back since the early 2000s, but who am I to say, you know? Yeah, that uh, that Ohio State game, the championship game, is what really did them in. For sure. If, if you think about it, too, not to get too far off track here, there's a lot of parallels between Miami and Texas. Constantly, are they back? Are they not back? Inconsistency, finding new ways to lose. And mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, losing a championship game absolutely killed their momentum. With Miami to Ohio State in 2002, Texas's national championship loss to Alabama in 2010. There's a lot of parallels between those two programs. They, now that you say that, they, they do have a lot of similarities. Like you said, they are, you know, talking to town, they're back, they're back. I mean, realistically, when was the last time both teams were really back or really a powerhouse? I mean, what, early 2000s to mid 2000s? Um, it's 2016. Yeah, for, yeah. I mean, if I had to choose between the two schools, Mm, I don't know. <laughs> like, if you had to put your money on the game, are you choosing Miami or Texas? Like, who who do you trust more as of right now? At this point, Miami. Easily? I mean, yeah. I, I, that The Texas-Oklahoma here just sticks with me. If you can hold the lead in that game, that, that, that just killed all my, my thoughts and, and momentum they had. Yeah. Any confidence I had that Texas can do anything good. And then, like I said, go out to lose to, you know, Kansas. Not good. Yeah, that, yeah. Not too many teams. Good teams will lose to Kansas. So, yeah, I guess you could say Miami is the easy, easily the better team. Yeah, and I, I have a few honorable mentions also on other games that I don't think people are really talking about as much as they should. Um, Arkansas, BYU, Arkansas going out west is going to be fantastic. Boise State and Oregon State. Oregon State's going to surprise a lot of people this year. They're going to be dangerous. Is this going to get Boise back to a BCS? Or, I'm sorry, a New Year's Six game? Could. Texas Could. Tech and NC State. Tech's another team. They're going to surprise people. NC State is a national championship contender. Whether people realize it or not, whether people want to admit it or not, they're going to be one of the top teams in the conference. And Florida and Georgia. Or, I'm sorry, Florida and Tennessee. Is, is this finally Tennessee's chance to make a jump? I think it is. Right before we head to the next segment, there's one thing I would like to touch on. Not spend too much time, but NC State. A lot of people don't give them the credit. That's a good team. Starting off with their quarterback, Devin Leary. I think he's one of the top quarterbacks in all of college football. Like you said, um, NC State is definitely will be a dark horse for this upcoming college football season. Yeah, they're going to be a good team. They have good quarterback play. Their defense was good last year. Schedule sets up nicely for them. Another really tricky game they have on the schedule opening weekend against East Carolina. Don't sleep Mm. on the Pirates either. Mm. It'll derail your season real quick. (laughs) Real quick. (laughs) And speaking of teams from North Carolina, 
it, it seems like this year, again, everybody's hyping on this North Carolina hype train. This is the second year in a row this has happened, and I seriously need somebody to explain to me <laughs> why we continue to do this to ourselves again. <laughs> I know they have Mac Brown. I know they're recruited well. I get it. This started in 2020, then went eight and four. Last year, mm. everybody picked them to win the Coastal. They finished six and seven. Mm. They have a good offense, but they lost Sam Howell. He was a Heisman candidate, I'll give you that. He was, he was good last year. They also lost their running back, Ty Chandler. Those two were the two top rushers on the team. Combined for right. almost 2,000 yards of rushing offense, they're gone. Right. They're 75th in returning production, according to Bill Connolly, who, if you've ever followed him on Twitter, great follow. They lost. They, they got a lot back on defense, I'll give you that. But, but listen to these defensive stats, okay? 32.1 points a game, 105th in the nation. They gave up 180 rushing yards a game, 97. Mm. They gave up 428 yards per game, 94th in the country. What am, what am I missing? The schedule isn't easy either. App State's not going to be a cakewalk. They're going to be good this year. They might be the Sunbelt favorite. I know people are going to point and laugh at the Sunbelt. The Sunbelt's legit now. They're not what they were 10 years ago. Stop laughing. Take them seriously. They have Notre Dame. They have Virginia Tech. They go to Miami, and they go to Duke in a four-week stretch. That's going to be what makes or break their season. And I know you're also going to laugh at Duke. Oh, it's just Duke. They're terrible. At the end of that stretch, how beaten down is North Carolina going to be? They've continued to disappoint for how many years now? Right. What am I missing with them that this just continues to be a thing that people just don't want to let go of? This is becoming like the new USC is back, Texas is back, Miami is back. What am I missing here? Please help me. So I'm I'm be a, a thousand percent honest with you. I don't know what you're missing. I don't know what I'm missing either. Uh, I'm on board with you. Uh, so much was expected of the North Carolina team in 2021. I mean, coming off the Orange Bowl season with Sam Howell back at quarterback, you know, they were consistent fa favorite to win the ACC Coastal Division and found themselves in many top tens. But like you said, they went six and seven. So I don't understand why there are still high expectations for this upcoming fall. I mean, we had expectations last year, fell flat on their face. A setback in the season opener to Virginia Tech got things the wrong direction and six more losses after that. Um, like you said, how he's going, along with all ACC running back Ty Chandler, plus a good chunk of the offensive line and a couple key defenders, like you stated. I mean, as Mac Brown enters year four of his second stint at UNC, it's time to put up or shut up. I mean, you, you may find reasons for optimism. Gene Chizik returns as defensive coordinator, and the Tar Heels have talent from three consecutive top 15 recruiting classes. Along with that, you know, a couple positives. Um, they have one of the nation's top targets in Josh Downs. And the Tar Heels are loaded at running back with at least six capable players, but Pretty much only three can be in a rotation. Up front, UNC must replace three starters from the offensive line that struggle in pass protection. So, I mean, you know, you every team going to have some type of optimism. But, yeah, I don't, I don't understand what this UNC hype is about. They had it last year, fell on their face. Lost their quarterback, lost the top running back. They have a real good wide receiver, yes, but somebody has to give them the ball still. So, I mean, I'm on, I'm on a boat with you. I, I, don't, I don't see what everybody's talking about. Yeah, and, and the reason I, I bring this up, the whole the whole reason I was thinking about this was because it was one of the shows on SiriusXM. They 
North Carolina this year. This is the year that they finally compete with the likes of Miami and Clemson. And the first thing I thought of was, get out of here. They're not going to compete with them. They're going to get blown out. Yeah. Last year, they lost to, they lost to uh, Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech is yeah. struggling to recover from the option offense. It's been yeah. three years now. You lose to Georgia Tech, you're doing something wrong. <laughs> if you lose to Georgia Tech, you're doing a lot wrong. I don't. Uh, I'm. I don't. There's not much for me to say. Like you said, um, UNC. I don't. I don't see them making any noise whatsoever. Yeah, they have some good recruits, but guys still have to be developed. And I mean, I feel like it all starts at the QB one position, and they lost that guy to the NFL draft. Do they compete in the ACC? Uh, maybe, but I, I just don't see the hype whatsoever. No, and and by the way, for anybody who thinks I'm making fun of Georgia Tech, I guess maybe I am. But they went three and nine last year. Here are their here are their three wins. Okay, they beat Kennesaw State, who are a legitimate national championship contender somewhere. I'm sure they Hill. beat Duke, who yeah, they're Duke. And the Hill. third win was North Carolina, the ever hyped, ever loved North Carolina. I swear, I just don't get it. That's, Georgia Tech sounds like a good team to me. <laughs> They're still recovering from trying to transition to or from the triple option offense, which I'll get it takes a while, but it's like it's it's almost like they're going backwards. Yeah, I, we might touch on this topic later on the show, but uh, Georgia Tech's head guy, I feel like he's definitely on the hot seat. Losing to Georgia Tech does not help your resume whatsoever. No doubt there's definitely trouble in Atlanta this season. So moving on. The two teams that are related to each other, just based off of head coaches leaving, new head coaches coming in, recruited uh, players leaving one school to go towards the other to follow his head coach. I'm talking about, you guessed it, Oklahoma and USC. Now, I have a question for you, Sonny. Who do you think will have the better season, Oklahoma or USC? This is a tough one, and I've been flipping on this kind of since we, we started this debate. I think both of them have pretty much the same ceiling. I think both of them are capable of 11-1. and one. Mm-hmm. I think the basement is higher for USC, though. I think worst case, they would go 7-5, and five, whereas okay. I think Oklahoma would go 6-6. Six and six. USC has... They got the big-name transfers. They got a lot of skill position players. They got to be able to win in the offensive and defensive lines. I'm not mm. entirely sure they can compete against the likes of Utah and Oregon, potentially even Oregon State. Um, I know that might sound crazy, but I'm not totally sold on them yet. Right. Oklahoma lost a lot of transfers, but they are in a significantly weaker conference. For sure. You know, where, where they play everybody. USC is not guaranteed to play the worst team in the conference. Oklahoma is. Right. On the other hand, <laughs> you keep going back and forth. <laughs> I think the Pac or the uh, the Big Twelve has more sleepers within the conference than the Big than the Pac twelve does. What are you thinking? Um, so this is I agree with everything you said. Um, like I said, I was on the fence just like you. I'm like ah, but this reason, but that reason. If I had to choose a team who would have the better season, I will I will pick Oklahoma, and just for this reason. All right, just hear me out. USC has a lot more rebuilding to do, okay? Clay Hilton didn't do much during his time at USC to improve that program. I mean, there was no improvement of a better record as time went on. 
and not really any improvement on the on the recruiting side of things or even development. The, the program was also kind of left in a bad shape, in my opinion, once he did leave. Yes, like you said, they added all these star-studded names from the transfer portal, and they look good on paper, but they still have to play the game on the field. Now, Lincoln is a good coach by all means, but how fast will he be able to turn things around? I'm thinking it's going to be more, it's going to take longer than 12 games. Plus, I don't know if you'll agree with me with this point, Lincoln Riley never really had to build a team up from ground level. I mean, Oklahoma was in awesome shape when he became the head guy. So I think that that, that might be a challenge for him as well. I agree. And, and here's the thing on Lincoln Riley that people might also think this sounds crazy. But if you really look at it, if you, not so much in the records, but if you watch the games, look at the stats, Oklahoma kind of got worse toward the end of Riley's tenure there. Right. They, sure. they, weren't, they weren't the same dominant team they were. Mm-hmm. They they had a lot more issues, you know. He was he was handed how many transfer quarterbacks to win Heisman's, right? That's great. They had problems when he left there. Mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not entirely sold on him yet either, right or wrong. Mm-hmm. But they they weren't the team he was or they were when he got there. It, right, you're you're a thousand percent right. I mean, mm, I, I guess. If you would like to do this, we can just go through each team's schedule and we can go ahead and tally them. Win loss, win loss, and ultimately whoever has the better record will have the better season. Yeah, I'll, we can definitely do that. And b- before we go there, here's here's just further of, of what I'm talking about. Last year, great year, only lost two games. Tulane, yeah. they beat them by five points. Nebraska, mm-hmm. they won on a miracle interception, one of the greatest interceptions you're ever going to see. West Virginia, Correct. they beat them by three points. Kansas mm-hmm. State, who is a sleeper in the Big 12, they've had their fair share of problems with. They, they won 37-31. Texas, right. miracle comeback. Miracle. Even, even Kansas, that was close for a long time. That was a lot closer than 35-23, we'll tell you. I then th- they yes. lost to Baylor, and then they lost to Oklahoma State. They, they were not the same team, whereas when in the beginning, they're going toe-to-toe with Georgia taking them to overtime in the playoff for the right to go to the national championship game. Right. That is nowhere near the same caliber of teams, despite the win record saying, yeah, actually they were pretty close in reality. No, they weren't. So, and before we go to the schedules, so like, like we just said, you know, in the beginning, it was a lot of close games that Oklahoma fans were not happy about. I I just want to have a a quick question because as everybody knows, who's an Oklahoma fan or even not an Oklahoma fan, there was this quarterback competition between their QB one at the time, Spencer Rattler, and, you know, Caleb Williams. Now, a lot of people put that blame on close games to Spencer Rattler. Let me ask you a question. Do you think if Caleb Williams were in those games full time, were, were those first couple of games still be as close as they were? I think Spencer Rattler was the scapegoat last year. Like, he was kind of the reason that they were blaming him. Mm-hmm. I, of course, you know, quarterback play is important. Mm-hmm. But look at his stats last year. He wasn't bad. Like, he, he was wasn't not. A, he wasn't a bad quarterback. He didn't really throw. He had a 2-1 to one interception, touchdown interception ratio, higher than that, actually. 75% completion. Those are Joe Burrow numbers. But because right. the team as a whole struggled, of course, it comes right back on onto the quarterback. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. a time that was Spencer Rattler. 
it doesn't help that I think it was Caleb Williams' very first play was that 60-some yard run against Texas where he gets in the end zone, completely changes the momentum in that, that game. Yep. Rattler, I think, was the unfair scapegoat for the season. Yeah, I mean, I think you hit on the head. He, there had to be a scapegoat, and um, they all eyes pointed towards the starting quarterback, Spencer Rattler, but like you said, he was playing pretty good. Like, his completion percentage was that's outstanding. Yes, he, he had a couple turnovers here and there, but, you know, fans, they get impatient and they want to see something new when you have close games versus West Virginia or where else they had those close games all in the beginning of the season. And like you said, Caleb Williams, they put him in third and short. He broke a 60-plus yard touchdown. It's hard to go back after that. So, um, a thousand percent, he was a scapegoat. I feel like he was dead wrong a little bit. I mean, yeah, he had a couple turnovers here and there, but he's still a good quarterback, and I'm actually rooting for the guy at South Carolina. Yeah, I am too. He's, he's someone you want to see succeed. For sure. And and here's this too. Tulane, five-point game, 304 yards. Two, to, two, two interceptions he threw, I'll give you that. Mm-hmm. 77% completion. They scored 40 points, and they won by five. That's not a quarterback problem. <laughs> there you go. There you go. And so the defensive coordinator for that Oklahoma team is the current defense coordinator for this USC team, correct? Or I believe so, yes. If that's, I'm not a thousand percent sure, but I think it is Alex Grinch. I mean, you know, like you said, maybe it wasn't the quarterback play, maybe it was the defense, and they have the same defensive coordinator. So I can see USC's team giving up a lot of points, but, you know, that's just my opinion. Yeah, USC is going to be one of the most. If you're into that sort of football, USC is going to be one of the most entertaining teams to watch this season. You're going to score a lot of points. You're going to give up a lot of points. Mm-hmm. They don't have to outscore everyone, pretty much. So if if we take a look at USC, they open the season with Rice. I think we can both agree that's a win, right? For sure. If they go to Stanford, which should also be a win. Should be a win. I got them winning. Fresno State, ten thirty at night, East Coast time. On Fox, mm-hmm. there is a potential upset. Jake Hayner, I think, could have a huge day. Yes. That might be trouble. I'm not sure I'd give them an automatic win there. Yeah, that, I, like you said, you know, personally, running back. Yeah, he, he, he may give USC some problems. Um, I Ultimately, I still think USC wins that game. But that could be a potential loss, like you said. Okay, and then you go to Oregon State, which, again, I'm not ready to write that in as a W. Mm-hmm. Um, Arizona State should be a win. They're a disaster right now. So we're through Washington. five games after Arizona State. Where, where do you have their record at? I, I think bare minimum four and two. Four and two? Okay. Yep. They'll beat Rice, beat Stanford. Arizona State, and I'm sorry, I included Washington State in that also. What do so you think? Bare minimum, they're they're four and two through that game. So worst case scenario, four and two. Best case, six and zero. Oh. Okay, I agree. Utah at Utah, that's going to be tough. I don't think they could keep up with Utah's lines. I think that's going to be the story of the game. Utah's just going to out physical them. I think for sure. Like we said before, Utah game. Worst case scenario, they're four and two. Best case, they're six and zero. I think Utah will be a loss. 
Yep, I, I would agree with you on that. Then add Arizona, California versus Colorado. I mean, if they don't win any of those games, that's a significant problem there. Yeah, they have bigger problems. At, at UCLA. <laughs> at UCLA, that's interesting. What was it, 66 to 33 last year? Can mm-hmm. you make up 33 points in one year? Yeah, like you said, I mean, I score over 60 points against the Trojans last fall. Mm, that's that's going to be a tough game. I mean, that was UCLA's best season yet under Chip Kelly last year. And they're getting back their veteran quarterback. And they're getting, they have a transfer in Dela Gabriel. So, um, yep. I mean, USC lost some talent to the NFL. They may, they may have a down year because of it. Um, ultimately, I believe rival game, U- USC will get the revenge in this game, but I would not be shocked if UCLA takes them down. And then after that, USC closes with Notre Dame. And I have Notre Dame that game. Yep, I would too. So, what we say? Best case scenario, 11-1. Worst case, were we looking at Seven and five. I'm I'm sticking with worst case for USC. Seven and five. Seven and five. Okay. So at the right, end then, of the day, okay. Go ahead. Sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was, I'm saying at the end of the day, there will be a bowl team, but <laughs> with all the expectations we have, they better be that eleven to one team and not the seven to five team. Exactly. And then if you look at Oklahoma, they're like I said, the Big Twelve is full of potential surprise teams. A lot of games that Oklahoma should win, but, you know, how, how do you trust a team that played that many close games last year, new coaching staff, all that stuff going on? Yeah. Open the season with UTEP, then they go to, uh, they, uh, they host Kent State, wins. I mean, not even worth talking about. Nope. At Nebraska, what are you thinking on that? I feel like that's going to be the first test of the season um, for new head coach Brent Venables and his crew. Um, I feel like Lincoln will be fired up to host the Sooners for the first time since 2005. And the familiar foe, Casey Thompson, will be nine times out of ten to head quarterback for the Cornhuskers. And um, I still got the Sooners winning, though. Yeah, I would would agree with you there. But it's definitely going to be the first test of the season for the Sooners. But I still have them winning. Um, I say about probably from... One by touchdown at 10 points, somewhere around there. It won't be a blowout, but it sounds very reasonable. Yeah. Then after that, which Nebraska is going to be a very physical game, no matter how you look at it. After that, they come back and play Kansas State. They seem to have been Oklahoma's kryptonite for quite a few years now. It's at home. Who do you think is is the favorite there? Uh, so Kansas State. I believe they have a new quarterback, Adrian Martinez, who played for Nebraska last year. Um, Correct. I still think that I still I still got Oklahoma. I I still, yeah, Oklahoma for sure. I think Oklahoma is four and zero at this point. All right, I'm I'm not totally sold on that one, but I, I definitely think it's not a realm of possibility that uh, that Oklahoma wins. So you um, think then they go two T I'm sorry, God. So worst case scenario, three and one, best four and zero right now. I would say worst case, they're two and two. Mm, against Nebraska? Yeah. I they were Nebraska was so close in so many games. 
They were nowhere near as bad as the record looked. If they can close a few of them, they're going to be a really good team. I won't even fight you on that one. You know, we can say two of the worst <laughs> case. I won't even fight you on that one. <laughs> <laughs> so after Kansas State, they go to TCU. That should be a win. New coach there, new offense. You know, you know kind what? of a, not. I wouldn't say a reset, but I agree. But I just I don't know. It's something about that TCU game. I feel like I feel like it's gonna be a close game, and TCU could win. I, my 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 brain is telling me Oklahoma, but um, I I feel like there's a chance that you know the Horn Frogs. Ah, no, nah, I got I got Oklahoma. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> I got Oklahoma. You you pretty much just spoke out the same thought process I had when I was thinking about this with TCU. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, Oklahoma, Texas on October 8th. Mm. You got to assume that'll be a noon kickoff on ABC. Oh, yes. A thousand percent. I, I would mm. go Oklahoma. I don't think they're ready to. I don't think Texas is ready to compete with Alabama. Yet. I don't think they're ready to compete with Oklahoma yet either, especially after the collapse they had last year. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I got Oklahoma winning as well, for sure. It's going to be a good okay. game, though. <laughs> it it should be. It's always a good game, even even if it's a blowout, which seems to rarely happen. It's always a good game. Yeah. Then Kansas, I'm not really worried about that. Um, Iowa State, they're going to be down this year. They're not going to be good, even on the road. Mm. That shouldn't be an issue. Baylor, Baylor might be a problem. Baylor, yeah, I. Dave Aranda, I mean, he always has his teams. I mean, that Baylor squad last year, even a Baylor lost a lot though to the NFL draft. I will say that they did, but I I got Oklahoma winning. Um, I feel like Oklahoma would be better prepared this year than they were last year. Um, the Sooners, the thing is, the Sooners they have a young defense, but um, I feel like towards the end of the you know this is game nine, I feel like. The defense will be better than last year. You know, Brent Venables is a defensive guy. Um, I got I got Oklahoma for sure. Okay, I, I would agree on that. And they go to West Virginia, who a lot of people think could be another sleeper. Um, mm-hmm. I don't necessarily know that I'd agree with that, but I still think it could be a tough game like it was last year. Defensive battle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I got Oklahoma winning by a touchdown. And then here's where the season gets interesting. The last two games of the year, Bedlam mm-hmm. on November 19th at Oklahoma this year. I think Oklahoma State actually wins the Big 12 this year. They got the best quarterback in the conference, probably the best defense it's going to end up being. What do you think there? I got Oklahoma State. And I there's there's not much for <laughs> I just for some reason I see that game. I got Oklahoma State. Um, Oklahoma State, two most important pieces, Spencer Sanders and Malcolm Rodriguez, are back. Um, you know, the veterans on the defense, uh, like you said, Oklahoma State is a good squad. Um, yep. It's a good squad. I mean, I watched that whole game last year where they had Caleb Williams struggling, and I'm thinking to myself, I feel like Spencer Riley would have done a better job tonight than Caleb Williams when they lost that game. Uh, I don't know. Oklahoma, like, they're they're a good team, physical team, and I got them with the win. Yep, I would definitely agree on that. And then probably my most anticipated game of the year for Oklahoma is Texas Tech. 
I don't know mm-hmm. why, but something is telling me that this might be an upset, especially if Oklahoma goes out there and lays an egg against Oklahoma State. This might be a real tone setter for Texas a- or Texas Tech going into 2023, building up recruiting, building up the future of the program. Not only that, Texas and Oklahoma are leaving. Someone's right. got to overtake the Big 12. Yeah, Texas Tech, I think, is going to have a lot to say about who that team is. Yeah, um, those night games <laughs> down in uh, Texas Tech, they get they get a little crazy. I feel like it's going to be a real good game. Um, I'm not fighting fighting you on your opinion on that one. I, Texas Tech, somebody has to be the big dog. And like you said, this is the opportunity for Texas Tech to take that spot. Um, I think it will be a tough game. I feel like it'll go, it'll go down three-point game. I don't know who I want to go with. Um, uh, I'm, I might go Oklahoma, though. Yeah, and, and Tyler Shuck, the quarterback for Texas Tech, he is going to be the key to the season. Tech is going to go as far as, he's, it's, as far as he can take them. For sure. I, I, I agree with you on that one. Texas Tech will be a team to look out for, especially in years after this upcoming season when a bunch of the star teams are going to be gone. Correct. Joey McGuire's building something really special there. I truly believe that. So, best case scenario, are we saying 11 and 1? I think I might have just talked myself down to 10 and 2, best case scenario. 10 and 2. Okay. I, like I said, whatever. I, I can see that. Um, so, if we're saying best case scenario for Oklahoma is 10 and 2, and for USC, did we say eleven and one? I'm, I can't remember. Yeah, yeah eleven uh, and one and seven and five for USC. And yeah, I'm gonna go ten and two. Best case for Oklahoma, six and six. Worst case, I think our answer. We got our answer then. <laughs> yeah, I, I think we do here. I think USC is the answer. USC. I mean, like I said, I, I'm not surprised. On paper, they look good. Um, I feel like they have the better quarterback. In my opinion, you know, do we say that their head coach is proven, Lincoln Riley? Um, I feel like a lot of it has been given to him. The Oklahoma team was really good when he got handed the keys. You know, he was getting transfer quarterback after transfer quarterback. But, hey, I mean, he he, he gets the job done. I mean, he never got the national championship done. But, you know, Oklahoma was always a good team to watch, you know, a good offensive power team. Their defense was always not the best. But like we said in the arguments that, you know, it's going to be a lot of shootouts for USC. And I feel like they'll win most of those shootouts. And for anybody that says Lincoln Riley's been good his career, he's made the playoffs. He's won conference titles. You know what he's never done? He's never won a national title. Never. You know who's done all those things and has a national title? Ed Ogeron. Where's he? Speaking facts. You're speaking facts. Well, there you have it for... Um, Week one um, of the podcast with new co-hosts. Again, I'm Eric, and I'm with Sonny. Uh, we hit some great points today, whether it was Arch Manning, uh, top three games to watch this upcoming season, and even why is North Carolina getting this hype? But, you know, um, thanks for listening. If you haven't, go ahead and hit the follow button, and we'll be dropping content weekly, daily, as much as you guys want. We'll keep on feeding it to you guys. So thanks for listening again. And um, anything you want to add to that, Sonny? Yeah, actually, one thing I would like to add, I, I want to apologize to Kennesaw State for kind of 
unfairly going after them earlier when I reported them as national championship contenders. <laughs> Turns out that was fake news there. They're far from national championship contenders, but still much love, Kennesaw State. I apologize about that. <laughs> I feel like they're going to be okay. <laughs> yeah, they'll, they'll make it. As, as they keep collecting those checks to get beat up by the big boys, they'll, they'll be fine. Yeah, somebody has to, right? <laughs> I, I guess I'm just kind of digging a deeper hole here. I'll, I'll stop now and let you keep going. <laughs> yeah, I want the Kennesaw State fans, you know, commenting down <laughs> and having our heads. But uh, like I said, it was a great uh, first episode. Um, me and Sonny will be back again with some more content. If any topics you guys want us to cover, go ahead and comment below. But um, yeah, man, thanks for listening. This was, this was great. I had fun. And um, see you next time.